Hello, friends. Come on in, take a seat. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to the writer's room. Please keep your hands and feet inside of the writer's room at all times. There is absolutely no dairy allowed in the writer's room. Please leave all dairy-related items outside. We will refrigerate them for you. Assuming Gregory does not destroy them on site. So today, we are going to delve into not the crunchy bit of character creation, even though that is a fun part of it. What makes 7C unique is the concept of characters. So we're going to go over the questions that you guys answered. And you can find this in the core rulebook. It is literally called the concept of your character. It is step zero of character creation. There's really nothing saying you have to, but I highly recommend it because it helps you flesh out your character before putting points, before buying advantages, before mechanically making your character. This is the narrative bit. And because 7C is such a high narrative game, it's a really good idea to have a narrative idea of who your character is. So let's dig into these. Question number one, what nation is your hero from? Jazzy's from Aragosta. That's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Wayland is from Avalon. Jesse was born Septimus 21st, 1636, while <clears throat> Samwell, <clears throat> yes, not right bastard, was born in autumn of 1640 in Balig, which is a small town in Avalon. Yes, the specific there says he doesn't really know, but that's where he started. Question two How would you physically describe your hero? 28. Six foot tall, clean cut, well kept, except for his coat, which is in an absolute state. Or was, at least. 32, around six feet, thin physique, and I used the term, quote, properly windswept hair. Which is where the joke started that every time he takes off his hat and, like, stands in a pose, his hair, like, gets all flowy. <laughs> <laughs> dramatic bastard. Very dramatic. Wayland's a little bit more unassuming, but if you take a, a closer look at him, his features are a bit sharper than maybe they should be. Mm. Question three is, does your hero have any recurring mannerisms? <laughs> Obsessive compulsively cleans his guns constantly. It's almost a tick at this point. I feel like he hasn't done that super recently. He hasn't really had a chance to. We haven't had a whole lot of downtime. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse has his accent. I wanted him to be relatively calm for the most part. I wanted him to be pretty put together. And I wanted him to be sassy because it's fun having a little bit of sass. Before we continue on, can I make a small suggestion? Mm-hmm. Because a couple of these I answered fairly simply, and obviously these were at the beginning of character creation and things have changed, or at least developed further. Yeah, a year ago. Yeah, this was back when they were like little squishy characters. Little babies. We didn't have any any solid foundation. Yeah, exactly. I'm wondering if it might be an interesting idea to, if there are like, you know, just a quick, simple answer to the question, if we want to go into... Has that stayed the same? Has that changed? Or how has that developed? Yes, I like that a lot. I do too. Question four. 
What was your hero's main motivation, and has it changed? Waylon's main motivation, at least at the beginning, and this is still held true for the most part, although now it's sort of an underlying motivation to more immediate problems, the dissolution of the ATC itself, or at least bringing it down to where it is no longer a world power. That's also part of Jesse's original main motivation, but alongside that is adventure discovery. I wanted him to be somebody who had a very fine-tuned appreciation for the world and who could explore it and be in awe every time he saw something new. And that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why I have Explorer activate so often. Yeah. Very true. He likes seeing new things. And also hates seeing some of the things that very few people have seen. Oh, yeah. Love seeing new things. I also hate seeing new things. It's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. I think that Wayland has certainly, through his friendship with Jesse and their further exploration of the world and learning more about the goings-on, another main motivation for them would probably be the preservation of the natural world and, you know, the creatures and beings that inhabit it, especially protecting them from modern influences such as the machinations of the ATC. Mm-hmm. Question five. What is your hero's greatest strength and weakness? And has that changed? Oh, yeah, big time. I think that changed from the get-go. Even from session one, my answer does not apply. As far as greatest strength, Waylon's eyesight, his attention to details, his ability to pick out the most obscure minutia in any given circumstance, I think that still applies as a greatest strength. But for his greatest weakness, I put OCD. That has not come into play at all. I would say his his greatest weakness is probably self-doubt, self-deprecation, and perseveration on the past and his guilt over what he's done. For Jesse, the answer that I have for question five, I think is entirely different now than when we started. I said that his greatest strength was being able to keep his composure under stress and his way of talking himself out of trouble. I suppose that hasn't really changed with the advantages I've taken, but he's not great at that anymore for Jonah reasons. Mm-hmm. And his greatest weakness said that he was carefree. He really isn't. This was before I ever really played a pirate captain for a significant period of time. I have a D&D character named Shaq, and she is captain of a ship known as the Molly May. But I only got to play Jacques for a handful of time, and we never did any at-sea stuff, so I never got to be like a real pirate. So I think having Jesse focus on being able to keep his composure normally is a strength of his, but his greatest weakness is his connection to Jonah, his inability to handle his anger, which was never an issue for him. He never really got angry, but now that's a very, very detrimental staple in his life currently. Yeah, it has come up multiple times. And we'll eventually see what comes of that. Yeah. Question six, which is more flavor-wise, a little less deep. What are your hero's most and least favorite things? For Wayland's most favorite thing, fresh fruit. Yeah. Fresh fruit is his favorite thing in the entire goddamn world. 
Wayland has the biggest sweet tooth, and that is absolutely something that I pulled from my own real life experience. Mm -hmm. I, I have an enormous sweet tooth, perhaps the largest of anyone I've ever met. Wayland, what was your least favorite thing? A dirty firearm is Wayland's least favorite thing when things are sort of out of place or when something has been particularly not well kept. Ironically, this is one of the questions that I think absolutely has not changed. His favorite thing is the wind. It makes him feel alive and not stuck, which is his least favorite thing. Feeling like he's trapped like an animal or a prisoner or the rose in the sea with no wind. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Like, like, just like that. Yeah, like that. Question seven, which I've run several games now, and question seven seems to trip up everyone when it comes to character creation, and that is, what about your hero's psychology? The book doesn't do a great job in describing it, but it's how your character goes about life. How do they view the world around them? How do they interact with the world? What are they appreciative for? What do they enjoy deep down in their soul? What sparks joy? I don't really think that's changed for either of you. No. No. Jesse's hasn't changed. I wrote down that he has a pure appreciation for life and all of its beauty and its little dumb details. He just, he's so appreciative to be around. Absolutely. And you've done an excellent job of showing that time and time again. For Wayland, their psychology has very much held true. I think even from a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. Even back when they were Samwell, and that is right and wrong are purely situational, and what is lawful is not always just. I think Wayland walks that line on a very thin tightrope. Yeah, in more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah. In both their knighthood and them as a person, as a pirate. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. I love that. Which brings us to question eight, which could have changed, maybe not. If anything, probably gotten more palpable for some of us. What is your hero's single greatest fear? Jesse has two. One of which being tethered to Jonah forever. And the second being having absolutely no way out. Like a life sentence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, on a very similar note, Waylon's greatest fear being imprisoned. Mm. Being shackled to either in jail or in servitude. I mean, he's surrounded by either people that have been or a life that would lead him to that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Based on all of the decisions that he's made. Yeah, it haunts him from time to time. The fact that he is living right on the edge of that, especially as a pirate. But at the same time, being a part of the crew of the Rose, he's never felt more free going through life there's always been an aspect of being duty bound to certain things that maybe he didn't necessarily want to do at the time or only did because they saw that it was the only course of action in their perspective and so being a part of the rose being a pirate has both gotten Wayland closest and farthest away from that fear mm -hmm. question number nine 
Question nine is, what are your hero's highest ambitions slash greatest love? In the book, it is described as, if your hero could be remembered when they die, what would they want to be remembered for? And if they could live forever, what would they want to do? This was, a, I think, the most difficult one for me to answer, as opposed to question seven for me, actually. Super difficult. Waylon's greatest ambition would be to become the greatest marksman in the world. He wants to be known as always being able to hit that shot, to be known and feared and revered for that. But at the same time, he doesn't. Because there's that aspect where he is the embodiment of Paga. And Paga's whole entire goal in life was to disappear from the annals of history. So there's that duality. And then the greatest love, what he would want if they gained immortality, explore the entirety of the world and nature and to taste every possible fruit or sweet thing in existence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was tough because Pat and I hadn't met Wayland and Jesse yet. Yeah, we were, they were still just ideas. We hadn't been able to sit down and talk to them and figure out exactly what they wanted. Mm -hmm. So... Thankfully, I guess in a way, that has developed and changed over time for sure. Originally, I wrote that Jesse wants to be remembered as the man who dances with the wind. Which is such a beautiful thing. He wants to be someone that allows the world to guide him in whatever point it wishes. He wants to be so free that he can just go wherever the wind takes him. Literally. And that his greatest love is that he appreciates and enjoys living because he's spent a lot of time not enjoying freedom and he doesn't take it for granted. Now, I think those have slightly altered since then. I think currently and secretly, his highest ambition is to be more than just his mother's son because he's following in her footsteps and he loves her and he has missed her for so long. But any time a conversation comes up where it's like, oh, the Rose is sailing again, they don't necessarily think of Jesse as the captain. They think of Sedona. Yeah. He wants his legacy as much as he wants his mother's legacy to continue. And I think his greatest love is similar to that of his original highest ambition and similar to Pat, yours. He wants to see the world. There's so much... There's so much more than the Edipan to see. And he wants to be able to experience that. And he loves that he gets to do that at the helm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Question 10. When you came up with your nation, this question pertains to that. What is your hero's opinion of their country? Deeply patriotic. <laughs> Nearly to a fault. Not necessarily like full uncomfortable nationalism. We have enough of that in the real world. <laughs> but yeah, no, Wayland is incredibly proud of Avalon as a nation. I would say more so Queen Elaine. Just such a deep pride of everything that she is trying to accomplish for not only her nation, but for the wider world and how the small issues in the nation, quote-unquote small, ripple across the entire world. She's got a great perspective on how that all functions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait until we meet her. Like, actually have a conversation. Yeah, me too. It's 
going to be a lot of fun. If you want to see it, make it a story stuff. It's true. Yeah, it'll happen at some point for sure. God, Jesse loves Aragosta. He's so thankful that he's a fucking pirate. Aragosta has instilled this currency in him, which is freedom. Mm. That is so valuable to him. I wrote down that he's grateful for living in a place as free as the wind. That pretty much describes Aragosta in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Wayland adores it, too. I mean, it's probably the freest place in the world. It is. Mm -hmm. All walks of life go there. You can sell or buy anything and everything. It is a freedom TM. Yeah. And then we go to, does your hero have any prejudices? This is an interesting one, yeah. This is a fun question. Yeah, I feel like these haven't changed. If anything, they've been more solid. Mine changed very, 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 very quickly. Yeah? So quickly that it changed immediately before we started a session zero. Damn, all right. Oh, what was the original? So the original was in addition to this. I wrote down that politicians and leaders who construct laws that prohibit freedom, parentheses, Fuck the ATC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyone who tries to take the freedoms away of someone else, fuck them. Originally and additionally, I also had just some unexplained hatred for Montaigne. Oh, yeah. That changed real fast. Real quick. So fucking fast. (laughs) Wow. That changed fast. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, shit. That's. No, I don't think I don't think weird casual racism is is cool. <laughs> no, I'm all set. Well, it's it's funny to me because it's not just that, but you went in the completely opposite yeah, direction. <laughs> exactly the opposite direction. I love Jesse's like I, I love Montanese. I adore Montanese women. Absolutely. And we haven't met any men or non-binary folks from Montana yet, have we? Raul is from Montaigne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He loves Raul. Everybody loves Raul. How could you not? Everybody loves Raul. So, similar but different to your, to fuck the ATC, the original answer that I wrote down was prejudice against the ATC as a whole, not necessarily just those in power. And I originally wrote those against Avalon. I think that that's still true, but we haven't really come across anyone who is like actively no fuck Avalon in particular. (laughs) I think Wayland would immediately have a bit of a bone to pick with them. Okay. Why? Yeah. Are your reasons justified? And is there perhaps a misunderstanding here? Because right now I'm very skeptical. Yeah. But as far as like that answer changing, I think it actually falls more in line with your answer, Evan now, because we've met, several individuals not to go you know too heavily into spoilers careful i know i did that have given us a different perspective on why someone would join with such a an entity as the atc yeah now it's less you join the atc you're automatically evil and it's more all right let's see if we can get you out of this yeah that kind of deal and we're moving towards the bit more of an understanding. Yeah, Elliot, for example, we heard that he was hired by the ATC and you had a conversation with him. Elliot's not a villain. Elliot was a huge factor in that. 
in that whole conversation with Elliot was that seed of doubt of have I been thinking about this in the right way was planted in that conversation. Yeah. And that has only continued to grow. And that brings us to... Question 12. Question Ah. 12. Loyalties. Yes, loyalties. This one is usually answered fairly quickly because when you're in a party dynamic, it's like, oh, my loyalty is my party or my crew or my whoever. Especially if you're a part of a fucking pirate ship. Yeah, if you're part of a pirate ship, a lot of people just instantly answer this question with, oh, the rest of the people in my party. Yeah, that was ultimately like pretty much what my answer was. My, My captain, my crew, my former comrades, and then last on that list, Avalon. Mm-hmm. If they need help, I'm I'm gonna do my best. Yeah, Jesse is his crew, past and present. That includes Wayland, the Republic of Pirates, and all of those that have been wronged. Oh, he feels like he has a responsibility to everybody who's been negatively affected by the Republic and by the ATC and by the Crimson Fleet and Jonah and all them. He just feels responsible. Just because he feels like he's been given a second chance. And he has that instinctual protective nature now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then, question 13. Is your hero in love? Wow, 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 wow. No, we really try and play Try to sail on his open sails for so long. And if you sail... Like I said, baby. Evan, I have to stop you before you woo all of the people in this room. <laughs> this was a bit a bit of an odd answer, and I, I think it's changed, because I don't know... I never went back and edited this, but I wrote, in a sense, yes, with his rifle. <laughs> like, it is his pride and joy. Yeah, it's your daughter. He built Grela from scratch. Built the mechanism made it easier to reload which is my in-game explanation for quick load as far as like in love with someone there are feelings that have obviously developed that will come in time does Waylon have a crushy-washy Waylon might have a crush crush a Saurus Rex I think love is maybe too strong of a word to use right now but yeah there's definitely feelings developing there it starts with deep hatred Mm. (laughs) yeah he loves every single member of the crew of the White Rose. They're his family, and he wouldn't trade them for the world. Mm-hmm. Jesse's in love with the Adebayan. He was in love with someone we'll meet at some point. <laughs> I'm not really sure what his feelings are with Cosette, but there might be something there. I'm not genuinely sure. Developing feelings. I think it's still an adolescent vibe. Mm-hmm. He's got love to give everybody. He loves Waylon. And then it's family time. The question about family. Actually, several questions in a row. What about your hero's family? Waylon's an orphan. That is all I will say at this juncture. That is all (laughs) you have written. All I will say. (laughs) Waylon is an orphan. Yep, that's totally all I wrote. It's definitely not anything else. (laughs) He's an orphan. That's it. He's an orphan. I thought he was a lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) No, the other one. Definitely gay. (laughs) so <laughs> just laughing at evan's face uh. at one point when they were growing up both orphaned on the streets of avalon he considered audra his sister oof oof indeed now things are totally different very different oh 
Oh, Sedona. Hmm. Sedona Nakansa. I wanted her to be a very prominent figure in his life from creation, clearly. I always loved the concept of like, oh, you have a famous, well-known parent that was part of your life and now isn't and may or may not be alive. (laughs) And then the other half of that was father was part of her crew. And boy, howdy, that has evolved so much, Mm -hmm. thankfully. I wanted specifically them two, for sure. And who knows? Maybe he's got some siblings out there in the world. Oh, fuck. Yeah, we don't know. Oh, shit. Evan doesn't know yet. Zoe doesn't know yet. I have no fucking idea. But I am a huge sucker for a long-lost long sibling. sibling story. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I am a huge Long-lost family sucker. is so great. Ah, so great. Yeah. And technically, all the rest of Sedona's crew was your family. That's right. That's why he's named after all of them. Mm-hmm. Your entire fucking name is all of theirs. Uh, so how, on top of the thing of parents, how would your parents describe you is the next question. Wayland is just blank. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> Redacted. <laughs> Redacted. No, I, I did write if Wayland's parents had been in their life at all. Waylon doesn't even know if they're alive. Waylon just doesn't know who they are. Never did. And potentially just never will. But I did write, in quotes, talented, headstrong, and misguided. But his heart's in the right place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. I figured that was like, yeah, that that pretty much sums it up. Mm -hmm. I think Sedona always saw Jesse as the spitting image of his father physically. But in terms of personality, I think... She would describe him as close to her as possible. Sweet, a little sassy, a little bit of a clown. We didn't get to see young Sedona, but that's how she was when she was younger. Yeah. So that hasn't changed. And you gave me a nickname that she used to call you. Mijo del Viento. Which is my little boy of the wind. Oh, that's adorable. Which is very fucking adorable. The second that you told me that, I was like, that's the cutest, that's the cutest goddamn thing. thing. I have diabetes now. Thank you. <laughs> it's too sweet. I mean, he was literally born in the middle of a hurricane, so yeah. Yep. And then question 16, is your hero a gentle? Which means gentleman, chivalry, code of conduct... If your enemy is in front of you and you're fighting and they drop their sword, will you be the gentle and allow them to pick it up or are you not? Do you keep your promises? Do you keep your word? Are you trustworthy? Things like that. Oh boy. It's an interesting question for Hmm. Wayland. (laughs) Wayland doesn't really have a, a code of his own. He follows the Knights Gesa. He follows the Charter to the best of his abilities but no code necessarily to himself. I built Wayland as as very much the the sniper rogue archetype, almost assassiny if it is called for. He does what he needs to do beyond his knight's code and beyond the charter goes with the situation. Love that. Jesse keeps to his word like fucking glue, almost to a fault. I made Jesse in a way that unintentionally he would never lie. He may have not always told the whole truth, but he has never lied. And he will always keep to his word. Now, he would be considered a gentle. 
Jonah would not. So, I do not take any responsibility for any actions that the devil Jonah might commence upon others. (laughs) That is my disclaimer. Fantastic. These last couple of questions are more geared towards the dynamic of the game. We get into religion and magic and secret societies and things like that. So how religious is your hero? Originally, I responded that Wayland more believes in the balance of the natural world and has reverence for heroes of the past, leading into you know him being the embodiment of Paga. But what I wrote down on my character sheet is that Wayland believes in the gods of old Thea. Oh. Wayland holds true to the old teaching of the original Celtic sort of religions of, of old Thea, and that has to do with his upbringing and who he was brought up by. I mean, that makes perfect sense. It's kind of the same, because they are the gods of the natural world. He has a great reverence for the Fae. Some of them are gods in their own right. Exactly. Wayland is not necessarily the most practicing. He doesn't necessarily any rituals to those gods or anything like that. But in his meditations, in his quiet time, he pays his respects in his own way. I have on occasion heard you say by the gods, so that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, that is an epithet that he uses quite often. Jesse is agnostic as fuck. Oh my god, that boy has heard so many stories in his time. And he's also seen so much in the Atabayan that he can't not believe that there isn't something ultra-powerful out there. As an explorer, I think his mind is a little too open in the sense that I don't think he could be tied down to a religion, to one single belief. And so I think he's more spiritual than anything, less superstitious like a normal pirate would be, Mm -hmm. especially now met Makaro and have heard more. We've met Kraken. We've met the Fae. Jonah is essentially a god in a way. He has worshippers. Yeah. So he knows that there are beings with immense power, but he doesn't necessarily look to one and say that one. That's what I believe in. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially since through our adventures, we've seen that a lot of these extremely powerful beings can be harmed in very real ways. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we almost killed the Kraken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Makaro was threat of being bound to the ATC and been in, under its rule. So for a couple of pirates to be close to killing a god or to have that kind of encounter strikes not doubt, but instability in terms of belief. Right. Yeah. Look at the Stitcher. You guys went head to head with a cursed fate witch. And they're demigods in their own right. They literally control people's fate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then we've also heard from the Buccaneers on Makaro that there are literal gods that walk the earth over in the New World. Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of crazy shit out there. Is your hero a member of a guild, club, or society? Nah. (laughs) Technically, you guys are part of the Brotherhood of the Coast, which is, I guess, a secret society. Air quotations, secret. Yeah. It's not secretive at all. They have flags on their ships that specify that they are, in fact, not secretive. Wayland was formerly a member of the Sea Dogs, which is one of the most powerful navies in all of Thea. 
he was a captain of the Sea Dogs. Is no longer is considered KIA. But who knows? That might change. <laughs> I just realized Jesse would love to see Wayland act as a captain. He wonders like what he would do in that position where the like the power balance. Oh yeah. It'd be a great dynamic to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what does your hero think of sorcery? There's so much in the world. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. There's magic everywhere. Mm-hmm. Sirenith artifacts. Mm-hmm. Remnants of ancient civilizations. Dead gods. <laughs> Undead gods. Jesse's fascinated. What Wayland does is so interesting and intriguing to him. It's just like a person that does all this weird, crazy shit. <laughs> Going back to how he's agnostic. Normal people don't necessarily do that. Granted, it is everywhere, but like, that's pretty special. Yeah, it's a thing that not everybody has. Right. And since he has not technically sorcery, but with Jonah's gift. There have been a couple times where Jesse's been very surprised at the things that he can do. Yeah, because he doesn't believe that he, he's not doing it himself, really. Yeah, he doesn't view it that way. He is not innately sorceress, so he doesn't view himself as a sorcerer he doesn't look at himself as someone who is one of those people he's just like i have this tool this tool helps me do things that i can't explain mm-hmm. magic magic yeah wayland has a, a deep respect for it finds it incredibly useful it creates a, a greater bond between him and the tools that he uses it helps him see them as more than just tools He doesn't view his guns or his weapons as just things, necessarily. They are an extension of himself, especially Grela, his rifle. And obviously his ties to Paga and his relations with the Fae therein have just deepened that respect to an almost reverence. I love that. I've for sure noticed... I think you're the first person I've ever known that has treated magic in-game with respect. In other games, magic is there. It's just kind of abusable. You can't abuse magic in 7th C. No, there are great consequences. You have to have the hero points, you have to have the raises, and you have to withstand the consequences. Yeah. And... I love that because it doesn't make it so that magic is broken. It gives weight to it. And you have to respect it. Yeah. Yeah. All magic has a cost in 7C. And Parrot, you do a great fucking job respecting magic. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Because Jesse does not. No. <laughs> Only after you broke it, though. That's true. That's how you find it. Jesse, it's not that he doesn't respect magic as a whole. He doesn't respect what Jonah's magic is, really. He just kind of does it willy-nilly because he can. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's such an interesting characterization you've given to it because Jesse absolutely views magic as a tool to be used to further his own ends and the ends of the crew and, and the ship. Yeah. It's one of those things, man, that creates the dichotomy between Wayland and Jesse and allows them to be so complimentary despite that they are so diametrically opposed in their views and how they view a very inherent and critical facet of the world and how it functions. Mm -hmm. For sure. I totally agree. And then finally... Ooh, this is my favorite question. Mm, This is spicy. This shit's spicy. The 20th question has nothing to do with your hero. 
because this question is asked to the player of that hero. And that question is, what advice would you give your hero? If you, Patrick, were sitting in front of Waylon and you could give them one piece of advice. And you knew you weren't going to (laughs) die. Exactly. What would it be? I only wrote two words and those still hold true. Forgive yourself. (sighs) Yeah, I love that. Evan, what would you say to Jesse if he was standing in front of you? Oh, man. The advice I would give him is look for signs showing that the world is speaking and follow the wind. Ooh. Yeah. I I need to give him this advice now <laughs> because I have been leaving out a very important part of his characterization since we started, and I kind of want to start leaning into it a bit more. Currently where we are in game, there are two branching paths that he will be following. I think he's going to start listening to what it has to say. Yeah. That's the 20 questions. I love, I love 20 questions. I do too. I love it. I adore it so much. I use it for other characters. It's such a great, straightforward way to meet a character. I I just, ooh, it's so good. John knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I hope you're listening, John. Thank you very much, because you did a fucking great job. I agree, wholeheartedly. In fact, I don't think I'm ever going to run a game without these 20 questions. I'll continue to use these for every new character I create that I'm going to be sort of playing long term. It just makes those boots so much easier to slip into. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's pre-forming the sole of the boot. That way you can just slip it on way more easily. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to break it in as much. This is the soul of the character. Boo. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Shut up. These 20 questions is the soul of the character, whereas, you know, the next part of character creation, which is assigning points and values and all of that stuff, is the body. Mm -hmm. Based off of these questions that you've answered, some of the stuff that you're going to buy is already inherent. Oh, yeah. By answering that you wanted to be a sniper... Patrick, I need sniper abilities. I need eagle eyes. I need the advantage sniper. I need gray light. Absolutely. Signature weapon was a huge one to choose. The moment I saw that, I was like, yep, that's the one. Absolutely. I have a named weapon. Yep. Right there. Boom. I am that asshole who names his weapons. <laughs> I, hey, you're not alone. Isn't Bramble also a signature weapon? Yep. Yes. And technically so is his mom's coat, but... You gave that back. I gave you both of them. I'm like, here's the sword. Here is the violence, the power, the freedom that you seek as a pirate. And then the coat. Here is the social aspect. Here is the title. Here is the responsibility. Here is everything else that Sedona was. Here's the thorn. Here's the flower. You got both of them, but then you gave the coat back. Because, and I quote, I'm not ready for it yet. And it's true. He's not ready. I also think that was an incredibly smart idea. Because I think there are definitely some notable individuals that would have been very surprised to see you just walk out one day. Like, after being on the sea for a while, just walk back into Aragosta with Sedona's coat. Which I imagine a lot of people are very familiar with. And be like, oh, she's alive. It's different when it's a weapon as opposed to an article of clothing. 
think about it from the perspective of the Empire in Star Wars. They see someone walking around with Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. They're like, oh shit, I know who that guy is. Only one person walks around with that weapon on their hip. And it's this guy that like means business. Yeah. I cannot fucking wait. Can't wait to see how that plays out. As per the requests of my players, Patrick and Evan, you're just going to have to figure out what their character sheet looks like. Sorry. I also do like the gamification of that. I want you guys to try and put together our character sheets based on what we've said. What you know. As far as like what mechanics we're using, what abilities we're using. I want to see how correct you get it, and I want to see what parts you're missing. That's fun to me. There are some things that are very obvious that are on the character sheets, but there are some things that we haven't used most of our skills and half of our traits, I suppose. I mean, I've brought up the letter of Mark as a joke every other session. <laughs> it'll work one day. Well, one of, one of these days, it'll one work. One day, we're going to run into a Castilian ship and they're going to try and swindle you on a deal and both Barterer and Letter of Mark are going to be right here. Yeah. yeah. We're going to end up with like their ship or something crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, this belongs to us now. We're going to make out perfectly. <laughs> Added to the fleet. <laughs> Look at me. I'm your captain now. What does that piece of paper say? Oh, was that signed by our good king? Oh, okay. Well, oh, here you go. Shit. Here's the manifest. Yep. Here's all this. Go have fun. Do the thing. Could I have my firstborn? <laughs> there is a very real uh, story opportunity as far as how, under what circumstances could we meet Queen Elaine? Perhaps we walk out of that meeting with a letter of Mark from Avalon as well. <laughs> Who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hadn't considered that. Wait, why didn't I think of this before we can get a letter of Mark from Bonaventura? Yeah, we can. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the look on Evan's face Can I go to the in-game right vendor and trade? Can I sell this one and buy that one instead? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just fudge the signature. Yeah. <laughs> like, replace every mention it's of Castile. It's, like, crossed out yeah, and cross obviously out. scribbled Aragosta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible. It's like the whiteout pen, but it's partially. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't look right. Yield whiteout pen. I think that the letter of Mark from Aragosa from Queen Bonaventura would only work in the Atabayan and at the single pirate port that I can think of in Theo, which is five sails. And maybe Labuka. Right. They're like buccaneers and privateers rather than pirates. Yeah. I mean, that's where in, in 7C, that's where the term buccaneer comes from is Labuka. You're from Lubuka. You are a buccaneer. Mm-hmm. Buccaneer. <laughs> Where did I put that tome? I know that buccaneer. It's certainly not far. <sighs> Evan's face. Oh, Evan and Zoe are so very disappointed in me. And it makes me laugh every time. I'm I'm not mad. But I am disappointed. I, I don't know what to feel anymore. <laughs> I am dead inside. <laughs> well, that terrible pun. That's it for questions. Woohoo! You know the origins. Finally, after a year and change. I think it was immediately afterwards we did Session Zero, so... Yeah, going back and listening to, to Session Zero and maybe spotting out some points where... Oh, immediately when we started playing the characters, when we slipped into those clothes. And you'll notice, or maybe you won't, 
There are no questions about what is your character's backstory. And I'm so grateful for this as a GM, because let me tell you, I've had players give me two sentences, and I've had players give me a goddamn novel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of what their backstory is and how they're tied to the world. I have been both of those players. I have also been both of those players. <laughs> While I enjoy all of the details that you put into your character, I love it when I'm playing 7C or I'm running 7C and someone gives me the slightest hint of something to their backstory, they don't care how it comes about or whatever, and I drop it on them or my GM drops it on me and I'm just like, well, fuck. For example... Episode four, Mad Maeve's introduction. Oh boy! I looked yeah, directly at you and I was like, "Hey, that. so what did Audra look like? Why? Why do you ask? Fuck! What a silly question to ask me in this moment. I think I'm just gonna like clip this and like put it in. <laughs> do I recognize this person? You should, considering they're the one that shot you. Fuck! Fuck! <laughs> fuck! Could you describe what this woman looked like the last time you saw her? The last I saw her. On a good day. Hold on. Are we insinuating that today is not a good day? She was at the table that was talking about the red ghost. Today is not a good day. God. The nervous laughter would not stop. And I was just so horrified. There are times where I wish we recorded video, but we can all see each other. We obviously all have our cameras on when we play. Joke's on you guys. I turned my screen off. <laughs> Never seen you before in my life. Evan, in fact, though meeting us in person several times, still has no idea what we look like. <laughs> that is real life canon. There you go. I love it. There's such a poetry to Jesse that I so deeply appreciate. There's an equal amount of poetry with both Wayland and Wayland and Jesse. Yes. Like as a pair. Yeah. Sounds counterintuitive, but we picked very similar and polar opposite characteristics for Jesse and Wayland that, as we've played, have recognized and complimented each other. Yeah. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. <laughs> we managed. <laughs> Honestly, it's the chemistry between you two, Patrick and Evan, as friends, as well as, I believe. And you too. I mean, sure. the, the chemistry between all three of us. Me too. But you guys play so well off of each other that there are moments, and I'm sure listeners have heard this, <laughs> where I don't speak a goddamn word and you guys run the show for a little while. And meanwhile, they can't see me on the opposite side of the screen, but I'm just sitting here with hands beneath <laughs> my chin with popcorn, letting you guys take it over because you work so I'm not even going to say well. You work so beautifully in tandem with each other. It's like the perfect game of tennis where, you know, Wayland will serve and Evan will match. And then Patrick will throw this curveball on the other side. And then Jesse's just like, boom, fucking spike it. You as characters and you as people, players, it's just this wonderful amalgamation of idealism. It all boils down to trust. Yeah, and yeah. that's the thing, too. Trust, consent, communication, respect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I've never felt more in tune in terms of role-playing than I have 
with Jesse and Wayland. I agree wholeheartedly. There's something very intimate about two players, two player characters, I should say. Yes. It's like a cauldron and a breeding ground for all sorts of wonderful, beautiful chaos. Wonderful, beautiful chaos. <laughs> I will absolutely agree and echo that. My greatest passion in life is acting and performing, and I am an actor by trade. And in no other role play sense, and at this point, I've done a fair amount of role play, be it in you know LARPing or at a table with folks playing D&D or another TTRPG. In no other sense has it truly felt like stepping into the shoes of a character as much as if I were on stage or on set. Whereas like, you know, Evan, you and I, we have our home game with our other friends and your wonderful partner. And while there are definitely moments where, especially with, with you and I, where there has been such that like feeling of, and gravity of realness to those characters. I, there's something about it that just hits different with Waylon and Jesse. <laughs> it just hits different. It's funny because the home game, I think we've gotten to a point where in a group setting like that, we are so in tune that there could be like two or three sessions where we're talking to everybody else for most of the game. And then there will be a moment between, between us. us. Yeah. And it's usually just a moment or two, but it is very powerful. And that's partially because we're best friends, but partially because of this. Having two player characters bounce off each other for well over a year (laughs) doesn't tend to happen a lot. It's usually in a group setting and you don't necessarily get a lot of one-on-one time because you usually have a big group and that doesn't happen as often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've been very lucky. There is a certain freedom in having such an intimate table where it's only just the two of you and me. And at the very beginning, I was very cautious. Yeah, you were worried. You were super worried. Mm -hmm. I was very worried. I was cautious. I was trepidatious because I ran a table of 20 before. So (laughs) It's a very different energy. It is a huge energy. And the only reason it worked, I do not, first of all, I do not ever recommend that. No, I played a D&D game like that and it was horrible. (laughs) The only reason it worked, and it worked for so long, we ran that table for six months. The only reason it worked is because everyone was so invested with the story that when they came to the table, everything else didn't matter. All the banter stopped, all the side conversations stopped, everything stopped, everything was in. We are sitting down, my character sheet is in front of me, I am now this character and we are playing this story. It's the only reason it worked. I don't ever recommend doing it again. I will never do it again. You can't pay me enough. (laughs) But having you two in the very beginning, I was very nervous because I wasn't sure it was going to work. And what I mean by that is a lot of the GM's job is to move the story forward. Right. And if there's only two of you as opposed to four or six, there's a lot that falls on my shoulders because it's not just them moving the story. I also have to provide a little bit of plot, a little bit of push, a little bit more than what I'm used to. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to step into those shoes and do that. And then that very first session came along 
and I had everything <laughs> planned out, and you two... Session zero or session one? I think it was after session one, because session zero had no mechanics to it. Right. Session zero was just an introduction to your characters. Not only for me, but also you two. Very spur of the moment. In fact, I think, like, right after character creation, I was like, do you guys want to do a session zero? Do you want to meet up? Uh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So that very first session one, where I had mechanics, I had a plot, I had a story, I was like, all right, let's see how this goes. You two took it gracefully, and like, instead of running with it, you were like running, and then every once in a while, you would turn around and be like, Mom, are you, are you watching? Look, look at me, look at it. And then you'd run farther and be like, Mom, look at it. And I'm just like, oh, hi, I, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> this is hugely to, to your credit, Zoe. When we sat down at the table for when we really got into the mechanics of the game and we really started playing the game and had the story start to roll along, it immediately felt like there was somebody else at the table. Yes, you are our GM, but I think we do consider you the third player at the table in a way because we interact and love all of the NPCs that we created together and that you portray. Yeah, yeah. Yay. The system allows for so much wiggle room in the first place, but having the extra freedom and wiggle room of only three people, I don't know. It's like putting us in the largest sandbox you could physically have. It's like putting us in the Sahara Desert with no heat and just a bunch of toys and just like go. I do enjoy the fact that I also get to play sometimes. Yeah. With more players, you don't get to do that. Yeah, with more players, you don't get to do that. You have to put on all the hats and move the plot along and do all of that. You have to just be the game master. You can't really be a player. A lot of GMs will probably send me hate mail for this. <laughs> the fact that you're supposed to let the players tell their story and that you don't have a hand in that. You're just there mitigating everything. You're just there mastering all of that. I do get to tell a little bit of my story. And it's not a lot. And I would never take it away from you guys because this game is for you. But I get to have a little little bit of fun and it's amazing that I get to do that. Through you, we get to explore the world so much more than I think we would if there were more people at the table. Ev, I don't know if, if you've felt the same, but I feel like when you have more people at the table, the worldview tends to be a bit more insular. You tend to focus a bit more on the party dynamics and what's going on inside the party and how the world is affecting you, not necessarily the other way around, where we've had the opposite experience. And I love it. Yeah, my experience with small groups like this, my very, very first D&D group was a three-person group. It was our DM, and I was one of the players and, and my, the other player. And what people don't really realize when it comes to a smaller group like this the biggest issue that ends up coming up is we get through a lot. Yeah. We're very quick. We're very efficient as two people. When you have four, five, six people, all of those voices are talking and making decisions. And when planning comes around, it is a fucking nightmare. When it's two people planning, that shit's so easy. Oh, it's so much more smooth. <laughs> Pat and I are easy in the first place. We're very... Yes, Andy. Yeah, we both have the experience with that. All three of us do. Yeah, but that makes it so much faster. Mm -hmm. And so we end up putting a lot more onto Zoe. 
in terms of our story and in terms of progressing the story and taking weird turns in the story because we do that all the time. Yep. Patrick and I are like pandas. Yeah. Uh, it's it's... <laughs> That's like, yes, that's a pun for you. But like in terms of like chaos, you set us down. We're like halfway across the room already mm. while the other one is like climbing <laughs> you're like no you have to get down why are you on the kitchen counter like it's uh, <laughs> too much to juggle these small dumb animals herding cats kind of yeah sometimes and as a 7th CGM it becomes more stressful and more difficult to try and plan for a session when you have you know the story mechanics and you got all right well this person wants this done and then this person wants this done and they're both two totally different things in like the opposite direction and it's like how do i tie them into the main plot or do i even bother with the main plot it's like i'll tell you right now this is my secret for planning for 7c don't <laughs> i knew i knew you were gonna say that. just don't <laughs> The players have their stories. That's your plan. Yeah, thank God we have stories. Oh, my God. If we didn't have stories, it would be worse. That is your plan, 7 CGMs. Plan around their stories. Tell me if I'm completely missing the mark on this, Zoe. What a fucking blessing that that is a part of this system. Yep. That the players actively write out their own like stories and there's steps to it. And it's not just like... Oh, I want this to happen now. And it's like, cool, we're going to get to that four months down the line. Yep. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm like, we're going to do this tonight. Yep. Yep. Cool. And you want to know what the funny thing about all of it is? Hmm. As a GM, you can be a terrible person. You can play dirty. You can, you know, pull out all the stops. But you want to know who's going to be the worst person for the characters to interact with? They're damn players. (laughs) (laughs) Ourselves. We are our own worst enemies. Yes, we are. You can throw a hundred danger points at us. It would not anywhere near come close to the amount of (laughs) pain and suffering we inflict upon ourselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You guys are so rude. (laughs) We're so mean. I blush at what you guys do to your game. I'm like, wow, Jesus. I don't get it. I never, ever, ever. If, like, it was like, oh, you can bring one of your characters to life and, like, meet them as their creator. Which one do you want it to be? It's definitely not Wayland. He would shoot me immediately. Yep. (laughs) Hey, I'm responsible for all your pain and suffering. (laughs) Bang. (laughs) That takes care of that. (laughs) It's the astronaut meme. You've been responsible for all my pain and suffering. Oh, it's happened. Yeah, exactly. Except it's Wayland behind you, behind Wayland. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's just waiting for confirmation. He just teleports. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yep. I uh, I think that's it, gentle bees. I do believe so. Yeah. Are there any announcements that you guys want to announce? Considering I'm always the one that announces things. Hey, yo, we're going to fucking Chaosium Con. Not only are we going to Chaosium Con in the first weekend of April, I believe. 8th and 9th? The 8th and 9th of April. The writer's room is going to be playing a live show? What? <gasps> oh my goodness. The writer's room presents... Ba-da-da, Sword of Kings. Yes, indeed. We are going to be playing that module live with an audience. 
as Jesse and Wayland. And I believe it, if we can get it all worked out, and it should be fairly simple, that's me knocking on my desk, which is made of solid mahogany. Knock, knock, knocking on Patrick's desk. Mm. We should be able to pretty simply record that, and we will have the live show recording up afterwards. It will be a bonus episode. Longtime listeners and fans will understand all of the references. Yes. (laughs) But you will not be lost if you join us for the first time live at that session. Yeah, this will be this will be the Rider's Room's first ever live appearance. Other than like at Wormwood when we're just hanging out. (laughs) Just Just chilling. So we're gonna be in Ann Arbor, Michigan at the very first Chaosium Con with our very first live show. Very first in-person thing we hope to see you there uh-huh. yes keep an eye out on our socials uh, for all the updates we'll get all that stuff out there when when we have it because mm-hmm. again this is the very first time chaosium is ever throwing a convention so there's a lot of firsts and a lot of a lot of unknown waters we got to swim through so keep it on the socials we'll we'll get that out to you guys as soon as we get it and we cannot wait to see you there it's gonna be a couple months from now but we're still really excited oh it's gonna be so good very excited and i believe we have you know a little milestone here um, oh yeah what are we at our audience it has been settling around 100 to 110 nice. established which is great so all 100 slash 110 of you thank you very much That's incredible we are at currently 6400 and some odd number plays hell yeah we are we love to see it Love to see it. And thank you to all of our, our friends and family who continue to listen and support us. It it absolutely means the world. Yeah. We have a great support system. Yeah, we do. I mean, most of our friends listen. Zoe and I have a handful of folks at work that listen that we love and appreciate. Got fucking Officer Nightingale. Oh, Officer mm-hmm. Nightingale, woo! And Officer Keith. Oh! We love you as well. Speaking of which... If you give me two seconds, I have something from Officer Keith that I need to show you. Oh too. my god! I'll be right. right fucking back. Right. I don't know about this. I know nothing. I'm gonna need to get a PO box eventually because Keith sent us a postcard. Oh shit! Damn. Fuck yeah! For the listeners at home, it is a pirate emblem. It's very cool. A it's got what? a paw on it. Pirate emblem. There you go. Thank you. It's a pirate emblem. It's got a paw on it. And a skull with an eye patch, wearing a hat, and two cross cutlasses, and I believe I think there's an anchor in the back, and a black flag, and it says "200 years too late." <laughs> Fantastic. Riders Room crew, we saw this while searching for sweatpants and thought you'd enjoy it. The authors and Keith. Thank you, Keith. Yes, we love you. You're great, Keith. You're the best. Also, I have news. What is your news? You heard it from me first. We're making dice, kids. Oh, fuck! Here we are! Not only are we making dice, we're making hero points, too, baby. Yes, we are. I made these bozos hero points for Christmas. Mm Mm-hmm. But we're making more that aren't made out of wood, because that was hard. They are beautiful, though. But yes, we are going to be making our own D10s and our own hero points for you to purchase in our Kofi shop. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for updates on our socials 
and sneak peeks in our Discord. If you're not a part of our Discord, you should be by now. Yes, you should. It is Hands of the Rose. Very simple to find. Link in all of our social bios. Yeah, you can find it in our link tree. Follow us everywhere. Just not in person. Our link tree is in every single episode. I don't know if we announced this before, but we also have merch now. We do have merch. Yeah. Yeah. We got merch on Teespring. Yep. Which is also on our link tree. You can find all that stuff in our big giant link tree. Do we have any tumblers left in our coffee? I will be ordering some more of those in the coming weeks. Hell yeah. But those cool parchmenty writer's room logos, all handmade by my sister-in-law. I use mine literally all the time. They are great. I love it. They are fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, all of you, you're wonderful. We love you. You're amazing, and we love you. You're fucking beautiful. And you're fucking gorgeous. You're cute as hell. I'm going to need you to stop because I'm starting to develop a complex. And you smell kind of ridiculously amazing right now. Mm. Is that <laughs> cardamom? I don't even know what that is, but I agree. It's a spice of some sort. There's like a little lavender in there, too. I'm feeling a little sleepy. Hey, <laughs> what? I'm falling asleep in the writer's room. <laughs> it's so cozy. All right, everybody. Can I say the thing this time? You can say the thing this time. Absolutely. Okay, great. Folks, we love you. Thanks for hanging out. Be safe and well. <laughs>